podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Deadline Dilemmas, brought to you by Fantasy Football Scout. Um, my name's Rich, and I'm really, really excited that we're going to be starting off today, um, from now, every Thursday, for the rest of the season, and I'm going to be here every week with Praz. Hey there, Praz. Hey, man. Um, it's 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 really nice. Firstly, well done to you. It's it's Rich's first time hosting a live stream, so uh, he was a bit nervous getting everything done, and uh, I'll ask the chat to let us know if everything's okay, but yeah, fabulous job, and Likewise, I, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I mean, we talk on Twitter all the time. And it's the, after FPL surgery, I think it's the first time we're podding together. But I think we think similarly. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, no, I think we do. And yeah, you mentioned it's the first time I've ever been in the controls of a stream. And actually, my heart was slightly beating there. It was quite <laughs> stressful. It felt like when Salah's take well, when Mitrovic is taking a penalty, uh, when yeah. you've got him in your FPL team. But yeah, no, I'm really glad um, we've been put together for this. Um, I mean, obviously... We have to mention, don't we? We have to mention Sonaldo, who you were with last year on Burning Questions. Burning Questions still going to be going. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, it's it's, it's good to address it up front. Uh, so let me talk about that. And then we'll talk about what we want to do with with the deadline dilemmas. So Burning Questions is very much still on, as as some people would know. I've, uh, I've basically also joined The Wire this season. So that's an afternoon pod because those guys are based in Asia, uh, in India more specifically. And Sonaldo is also based in Asia, South Korea. So... I basically had a problem where I couldn't do two daytime streams because I, I need to work. I still need to feed the kids. Uh, so uh, I had to do an evening stream. And, and therefore, you know, we were debating with uh, the guys at Scout on what can I do if it is in the evening. And voila, you came up as uh, somebody who was also free on a Thursday. And, you know, we sort of both jumped on the opportunity. So, you know, Burning Questions is still going on. And, uh, you know, Sonaldo will have an excellent co-host. I can't recommend him or sort of praise him enough. We let them reveal who that is. But yeah, we'll do our thing on Deadline Dilemmas on Thursday nights. That's the thing. The sad thing about me doing this was the fact that it wouldn't have you two together anymore. But the more I thought about it, it means there's going to be there's going to be two. There's going to be two episodes, yes, exactly. you know, a week. Burning Questions and then, like we said, Deadline Dilemmas. And I guess this week and next week are going to be slightly different to what we're going to be doing every week because we're going to be i mean for the, was it the first four we're going to be literally the day before the deadline thursday Correct. night 9 p.m uk time 
Correct. So we're going to get, it's almost the best time to be discussing FPL, isn't it? Like as late as it possible. Is. It is. And that's what we were thinking, right? On Thursday night is like a little niche segment where you've got all the information. I know there's no Champions League or midweek games in the beginning, uh, but at some point there will be a time where Thursday is the time where you have all the information and you're sitting there with saying, okay, what are the things that I'm looking out for on a Friday uh, in the press conferences? So what Rich and I will do every week uh, on Thursdays is, once the season starts, is look at our teams and talk about what are the things that we're thinking about heading into Friday, which is basically the important time. It could be injuries, it could be uh, you know, new new transfers that may happen that week. It could be a Champions League, something that changes, or even in statistics, you know, if after six game weeks, what are we seeing? And that's what's worrying us. So it'll be themed around our teams. So we'll go through our teams on a weekly basis, but we will be discussing more than just who are you buying, who are you selling? It'll be more about what are the key things we're thinking about. That's the thing. There's going to be there's going to be a lot to talk about every week. And I guess we're going to try and keep it concise as well. Like, we will. You know, Funny story, when we started burning questions, uh, I, I told us that, you know, we'll keep it, we'll keep it 30 minutes, we'll keep it 40 minutes. Uh, and so it ended up becoming an hour, hour and a half, but we will not do that here for the simple reason that on a Thursday night, you don't have time to consume an hour and a half content. So it's going to be 40 minutes. That's going to be our aim. And this is why it's going to be very light on, in you know, slides and it won't have a lot of data. And if we'll have it, we'll keep it concise. It's going to be more focused on content and exactly what we're sort of thinking about. So that was always the funny thing as a listener, because obviously when I when I load the podcast or go on the video, you and Andy would always be at the start. We keep this to 45 minutes because I guess you were on your lunch break and then exactly. I can see it's an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to keep it shorter. But obviously, yeah. there's there's going to be a lot to talk about. Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. And and then obviously talking about these three game weeks. So we have three weeks of deadline dilemmas before game week one. So obviously the one before game week one, the you know the one that happens just before that, we'll focus on our teams and what are the final de dilemmas that we're thinking about. But these two, we just wanted to set up just before because we don't want to be showing up just before the deadline on game week one. People need to be comfortable with you know what we do. You and I need to be comfortable with how we sort of you know ha have the chemistry of discussing various things. We talk a lot on Twitter, but as I was saying, we haven't really potted that much. Mm -hmm. So we'll get all of those things ironed out. You know the that stuff and by game week one we'll be ready to go that's the thing we're in pre-season as well exactly. although i mean much earlier in pre-season than yourself you've been smashing it on the wire and stuff like <laughs> nah it's fine i mean it's 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 the thing actually pre-season content is the easiest content because there's not much happening right i mean some pre-season games are happening but there's no fundamental changes but you know the difference between podding on a game week one versus game week two versus game week three you're assimilating like multiples of information on every single team then you add the midweek information and things just change so quickly. Right now, you're just sort of talking about the draft that is changing on a weekly basis and you're just sort of talking through what you're thinking. It changes so easily though, because I know the first couple of drafts I set up, I you know, I was pretty set up, it's going to be like this. And then you just get one little idea in your head, be it Foden, whoever, and it yeah. changes the structure of your team completely. So even if you think you're not going to tinker, you are. Um, yeah. And something we were talking about last week, we were we were talking to each other about how, you know, we obviously it's game week one. We've set up a team multiple times before. I mean, I'm assuming you must be well over 10 years playing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think 12 years, I want to say. Yeah, this will be my 13th year. Okay, so this will be your 13th time that you set up a game week one team. It'll be my Correct. 12th team I've set up a game week one team. So we should be, you know, seasons season you know in doing that but what we've done is we've decided to look at our teams from from last year the kind of players that we fell upon 
um, you know, how they did, if there's anything we can learn, because I think the pricing is so different this year. Correct. I think we've been, it's interesting because with the price of Salah and Trent, they're the, they're the big two people are talking about. I was thinking if they weren't those prices, this game would be, it would be almost boring. Yeah. And if they fail, I think this game is going to be the, the easy pricing that people talked about. It's going to be quite evident, but if they don't fail, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially the early weeks when people are deciding if they, if they want them or not. Absolutely. I'd love for Salah, Kane, Trent, you know, the guys who are not not loved as much to sort of... And in some cases, we'll ignore them, like, like a lot of us did with Kane last year, that you know it's happening, but it's, you know, I'm just going to ignore it because I can't go there. But I think with Salah and Trent, I think the pool will be so much higher that those that have the, have them will will benefit and those that don't will get FOMO or vice versa, right? Those that have gone for them and they don't perform. Um, like I did, actually. I don't know how, um, how your pre-game week 16 last year was but for me pre-game week 16 I had Trent the whole time I had Salah pretty much every game week and they did nothing in the first 16 game weeks last season and then of course they did well when everybody else had them I think I know you captained Salah a couple of times when Harlem went went big I think I did it a couple more times I was because I remember listening to you and you were very you realized actually I'm just gonna start captain in Harland and I'm a little bit of a slower learner so (laughs) a couple more couple more punishments were needed it's bad luck. I mean, it's just one of those things. Salah could have done one of those things, you know, against Man United yep. when you owned them, you owned him and everybody didn't. and Or I captained him and everybody didn't. But, you know, it's just one of those things. And then they played Bournemouth straight afterwards. And if I recall, he blanked. He did blank, yeah, yeah in the 7-0, 9-0, 7-0, Your memory's much yeah. better than mine, yeah. <laughs> But he did blank. He did blank for sure. Yeah, yeah. But sh- should we get straight into the teams from last year? So if we start with with your team. Yeah, let's do it. So for the people who are confused why we're looking at last year's team, it's basically just to see how our thought process has changed. Why are we doing certain things this season and why we didn't do it last year? And for people who are just jumping in now and thinking this is our game week uh, one uh, draft for this season, it'll be fun as well for them to see how, you know, how silly it looks. So this was my team last year. Um, If you have it up, I'm going to read it out. Yeah, it's up. Uh, Just need to pull it up as well. One second. Um, so yeah, I had Ramsdale in goal, um, and then I had five at the back, which uh, you will have as well. Spoiler alert: Cancelo, Trent, Diaz, James, and Robertson. And you know, when I was thinking about that backline, the thing that struck out to me is none of these guys performed. I mean, Trent to an extent later in the season, but the people in terms of defenders who shown were Shaw, Estupinian, Trippier, and they're not even in the five at the back. So they were like eight or nine great defenders last year. And so we'll discuss why people aren't going for a four or five at the back this year when we come to our drafts. In midfield, obviously, Salah was there. Um, Martinelli was there because he was super cheap and Arsenal assets in general were super cheap. And then up front, Jesus was there and Haaland was there. Obviously, like a sore thumb, uh, Bailey is sticking out, but that was basically enabler that enabled this draft. And in terms of the common themes, what I can see is obviously heavy on Arsenal, triple Arsenal, triple Man City, double Liverpool, or triple Liverpool, actually. That will be the one big thing that that uh, will be different this time. And enabled by a Reese James and a Bailey, which was basically the key for this five at the back. So what was my thinking going into it? It was just the fact that you know, it was a time where Liverpool actually had excellent fixtures. So that is different this year where Liverpool don't have the best of fixtures. You have other options. And the fact that they're relatively 
much more expensive than other options. So last year you had Sun who was, you know, slightly less than Salah. He was in 9 million. You had Rashford. Okay, Rashford was very, very cheap and he should have been there, but he wasn't. But essentially the two Liverpool guys mean that you'll have to have sacrifices throughout your team, at least two or three semi-premiums or the premium lights. And that's really the big difference apart from not having the wing backs because the system has changed, right? I mean, a lot of teams now don't have a Cancelo type or a, or a Trent even type winger who's basically crossing in the box like a Trippier anymore. You have a lot of inverted fullbacks and that concept of having, you know, loading up at five at the back just hasn't worked out. I mean, what do you think in, in terms of defenders? It was interesting because the way you said that they all, none of the defenders you picked performed, you know, how we'd expect. I was also then thinking of a player you got in quite early. I think you got Perisic quite early mm-hmm. when we serves me right. And he was one that was in, I mean, he was in my team until, and many people's teams. I don't know if you remember, there was that journalist who predicted inverted commas that Paris wasn't going to start and yeah yeah yeah. so he was a late removal from from the template as it were so even the first choice six defenders if we include him none of them really performed how how we thought they were going to correct and you're right about the attacking fullbacks and yeah a lot of teams if they have an attacking fullback it's only it's only one side whereas I guess if you go back in time you could have the left back and the right back like like you had here with Trent and Trent and Robertson you could have James and Chilwell I mean maybe that would be a thing Although I think Poch is playing one one wing back more attacking than the other. You know, I I mean, we'll keep straddling between this season and last yeah. season. That's something that will be key. Like, you know, if because at the moment we haven't seen James and Chilwell start together in any preseason games. And the thinking, at least when I remember him at Spurs, was it was either Danny Rose who used to go up or Ben Davis on the left-hand side, or it was Trippier or Walker or whoever. I forget now who his right back was. Um, used to go up on the other side. It was never both. It was never like the Liverpool style of of both going up. And so maybe that dense both Chilwell and James, or maybe it's great for both. We will we will see. Yeah, no, that would be interesting. Or maybe they have one game where James is the attacking fullback and Chilwell, obviously both slightly injury prone as well. I mean, I have yeah. looked at actually having both, benching one in the first week or two, but there's risk to it. And I think there's risk. I'm probably getting too much into our drafts if I say yeah. this, but... I'm trying to avoid triple ups as much as possible because I think it can have connotations for, you know, if you want to bring in another player, you obviously you block yourself, especially if they're different positions. I think you've you were having a discussion earlier on Twitter about about Arsenal. Correct. But correct. I guess we can come to that when we come to our actual drafts. Yeah, go to go to your draft. Yeah. It was very similar actually. Yeah, no it is. And also just I guess one thing to say is a lot of people went for the 8 million mids last season, which I think when the it first dropped well it dropped this season that's what a lot of people are looking to do obviously there's a bit yeah. more variation in price um and we both actually avoided the eight million midfielders yeah but mine was a little it's only i mean it's only slightly different i went for a five two three i went for the warden everson double up because i just want to be as cheap as possible with goalkeepers <laughs> and maybe we'll see that you know when we when we go into our actual drafts for ne- you know for next for next season or this season shall i say um, I had the same triple up of Liverpool as you. So Trent, Robertson and, and Salah, Gabriel, James and Cancelo. So five at the back. Um, so I had Gabriel and you had, oh, you had Diaz. You had Ruben Diaz. I had Gabriel. I had Ramsdale instead in goal. N- neither actually worked out in the first eight weeks because Ramsdale wasn't great on bonus. And I think Gabriel didn't get any attacking returns. So they were okay, but they weren't stellar. They, yeah, they were, far, they were far from great. And neither yeah. of us had Trippier, who, who, was, who was great. 
Because um, he had Man City game week three, and we're falling for a similar trap this and year. He scored cause... a free kick, didn't he? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But something I could do with this draft that well, you can't do this year as easily is I had two midfielders, so I had Salah and Martinelli, and then three four point five midfielders who all had a chance to chance to play. I mean, obviously Andreas was fantastic throughout the year. Yeah, Harrison Reed he started, and for some reason he actually got some attacking returns. Um, Only one when. Uh... Uh, uh, Abdul had him basically started. Yes, it was a, it was it was a, a Friday game. night game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Friday night game. And then De Silva, who became a huge bandwagon and got me a couple of price rises. So I was, I was quite grateful for that. Um, and then up top, I think where I went a little different, I had three strikers. So I had Harlem, Bamford and Jesus. The annoying thing, I think looking back, it wasn't, well, it was a mistake, but only because of what happened. I Because I moved Perisic down to Gabriel, I then had money to upgrade Mitrovic, who'd been in all my drafts. I was going to go for Bamford or Wilson. I chose Bamford, who got injured. And he got very, very unlucky. I think late rise, I had Bamford as well from, right. from memory. But yeah, I don't think this formation would be possible this year. I don't think it'd be one you'd want to go for anyway. I mean, it, one thing common between the two of our drafts, and we can then move to our drafts, is basically we weren't focused on midfielders, even though there were a lot of good midfielders last year as well. That 8 million bracket you're telling about, I remember Foden, Kulusevski, Diaz. Um, there were a few. And Madison again. Yeah, Madison. Owen. So there were a few and people sort of ignored them. And yeah, it, 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 it sort of worked out because the template was as such. But I think this year it's going to be very different. So maybe we can talk about our drafts now. Was part, was part of the reason you avoided it? Because, I mean, I don't didn't really like Luis Diaz as a pick. As in, I don't think he's a bad pick, but he's not an exciting pick. And I've much preferred the inverted commas trusted Robertson. So maybe that was it. Could that was it. Robertson. Possibly. Possibly. And, and actually, I think my game week three move was Robertson to Diaz after... Liverpool kept conceding and they looked leaky, which turned out to be the right hypothesis. And Diaz had started off well, but that didn't work out as well because Diaz was, he was okay. I think after game week two or game week three, when they played Bournemouth, he had some returns. But after that, it it sort of fizzled out a little bit. But then the whole Liverpool team did. I mean, in the first seven, eight game weeks, even Salah was not great. So absolutely, I I, I agree that maybe we could have started with one midfielder instead of a Robertson, but knowing then with the fixtures that they had, I'm also of the opinion that, you know, you go for the tried and tested. And this will be true when we talk about our drafts and why I have Chilwell over in Nkunku because I just think you know what you get with an attacking defender, some clean sheets, some attacking returns. If you take a punt on a striker in a team which is not as threatening, you know, going forward, which Liverpool wasn't, but I'm talking about Chelsea now, it's a little bit riskier. So, um, yeah. And do you think, just before we move on to the, the teams, because one reason I like doing this segment was, obviously there's no, well, there's Nakamba now, isn't there? Um, but there was no 4.5 midfielders when we when we were looking at this. And I was thinking you might have to go to Brownhill, who's, who's 5 million, if you want, you know, a budget budget midfielder. So I feel like that makes a big, big difference. I mean, is, is that going to stop you going light in midfield? Um no because what i would say is the comparable is a third striker yep. who is definitely a dud right i mean we don't have a single 4.5 million who will start i know the west ham guy um is being talked about because he scored a few goals but he's still behind in pecking order from antonio uh skamaka and, and others so anyway um so I think the comparison is because there's no playing 4.5 striker, if you go for a Nakamba or someone in 4.5 midfield, at least you have a starter 
but I don't think they're comparable at all. I think it's more about, do you want five or six midfielders? Then you go for a five in midfield. Or if you're really struggling to get three or four attackers, then go for three so that you can jump on the fourth one when that becomes exciting. I think I think that's the thing. And I guess with these 4.5s, like, you know, Harrison Reed, for example, last year, you'd expect two points at best, really. So maybe you're looking at one point instead of two points. But yeah, yeah. let's get into, into your draft then, Praz. Let's okay. do it. Um, so my draft is constantly changing with all the friendlies that are happening. You know, you get... And it's 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 I think it's at the stage of little tweaks. It's not even reached major surgery. And I think that stage will also come when Salah scores a hat-trick or Trent scores a 15-pointer in a preseason, obviously. I'm talking like a clean sheet and a assist or something like that. So at the moment, I have gone for no Salah, no Trent. I'm not comfortable with it. So whenever I get a question, you know, no Liverpool. Yeah, I know no Liverpool and I'm sure Liverpool will do well. But it's just a sacrifice that I will talk about that I'm making, which I feel comfortable with at this stage. So I've got Onana in goal. And he's basically, I used to have Shaw. And I've just sort of switched things around. And I'll talk about, you could do Onana and Stupinian. Instead of them, you could have a Steel and a Shaw. Same price. So that's something I'm thinking about. By the way, for the for the viewers and listeners, what we will do at the end of this draft is I'm going to note down Rich in my key dilemmas that we're sort of leaving behind as we're talking about our drafts. And then every week, we'll discuss if we're any closer to closing down the dilemmas, right? You know, if for example, if my dilemma was, do I go for a Saka? Is he going to be on pens? Last night would have said, yes, you know, Saka is going to be on pens. Obviously, he has missed. So that's another dilemma now that if Jorginho is on, because Saka also missed his game week 38 penalty. So now we have a new dilemma, which is, is Saka going to be on pens if Jorginho starts? But we will not go into it now. Uh, coming back to my team, so Onana, Estupinian, Ruben Diaz, which could be Stones. I've got Chilwell starting for now. And then in midfield, I've got a five, five-man five midfield of Saka, Mitoma, Bruno Fernandes, Martinelli and Rashford. And then I've got Jesus and Haaland uh, up front. Now, few things about it. There's a very bare-bone bench. There's Kabore, who's a, who should be a starter for Luton. There's Bear, who should be a starter for, for Burnley. Surridge, I'll replace him with that West Ham guy I talked about, and Ariola. So none of them, even though they're starters, I can't rely for points. So this isn't the optimal draft where I can sort of rotate two good guys and get some better expected points over the next six, eight weeks. <clears throat> but I've sort of put all my money on the pitch for now. Other things, I've got triple Arsenal attack. And I just think at the moment... Going back to our discussion on good defenders who have got exciting potential, I think we've, we're blessed with them between the five and five and a half price point, right? So Estupinian, uh, Stones, Chilwell, James, Shaw, Poro, who could become an option later. There's Fabian Scher at five million who could be great with, with good fixtures. So the idea is that you could sort of have these three, five, five and a half million midfielders and you just sort of load up your your midfield. And that's what I've tried to do here. And I've just said, I have I think there are equally good defenders as Gabriel, with all respect to Gabriel, having been great at set pieces and all. But I just don't think there's another Martinelli or a Saka or a Jesus. So TBD, maybe I change my mind. Martinelli becomes Foden. Jesus becomes Nkunku or whatever. Obviously, we will all tinker. But that's where I am now. What do you think? I was looking at the... Arsenal well I was looking at clean sheet odds and obviously they're really early because the transfer window is still open anything can happen but looking at like the first five or six the odds on Arsenal keeping clean sheets 
is so much higher than say Man United. And the, I mean, I know you're not going to pick a player because of ownership, but right. you know, Gabriel's a, I think he's a good asset and he's, he's going to be favorite to keep clean sheets over like a Man United player, for, for example. That's where I'm a bit worried if I don't go for Gabriel, but I agree, like I like all the attackers. I remember last year having two Arsenal defenders in Saka and being really jealous of, you know, people with three in, three attackers when people had Nketiah, et cetera. I know we both went for Jesus. You remember he was very, very popular. I think yeah, we yeah, both yeah. 80%. went back. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do like him as an asset, but Arsenal's one I'm struggling with. I think we all know we're going to have three. And I'm very grateful I went for three last year because I was actually quite on the fence. Even though it was very, very popular, I almost only started the season with two, for example right and they don't worry me too much about blocking someone out i guess maybe actually if i block martinelli that would i think that would be the part where i'd get fomo you know if i have gabriel saka and jesus and martinelli starts firing i think he'd be the one i'd, I'd be scared of because saka i see as non-negotiable despite the penalty thing correct correct what do you think by the way he's he should keep them right i think so i mean a lot of us were hanging on the words i think there were words from arteta where he said you know before that penalty miss you know in a friendly he was saying that saka will you know take the ball and take the next penalty so as fpl managers we can all just hang on or at the time we can hang on to that and be like saka's still on penalties yeah yeah but i think plus Jorginho seems... isn't a starter right so it's you have to look at the odds of you getting a pen when Jorginho comes onto the pitch and then he gives the ball to Jorginho. I mean, you could get a pen in the 16th minute and Jorginho is not even on the pitch. So who else would take it? Havertz? He's not great at pens. No, he's not. And I think the thing with Jorginho, he obviously is good at penalties, but it's not like he's, he's Tony or something. You know, he has missed penalties in the past. He's missed, you know, high profile penalties in the past. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm optimistic on Saka. And I think even if he didn't have penalties, he'd still be borderline in my team. So the fact that we don't know you know, or there's a say there's twenty percent, twenty five percent doubt in my mind about Saka being on penalties. I, th I think I'm still going to go there. Yeah, indeed. I mean, look at my team and tell me, is there an attacker who you can say is better than Jesus or better than Martinelli? Because I think the others I'm fairly set on. I know Bruno is not a long term hold, although by definition Bruno is a long term hold kind of player. But I'm okay to lose him after game week three, let's say, after he's had the two easy home games. So I've got funds to go to someone else after game week three. That could be, you know, Luis Diaz. That could be, you know, Madison. There's many options in that mm -hmm. price range. But to start out, I can think of Foden instead of Martinelli. I don't, you know, a lot of people have uh, Mbumo instead of Martinelli, that slot, and sort of have two 6.5 mids. But let's assume I don't want to go for that structure because a lot of people who are going for Mbumo type structure then they're affording a trend up, you know, in, in defense. And let's assume I'm not sort of willing to do that. And then in attack, instead of Jesus, I can look at somebody like a Watkins or an Nkunku. But again, the first three are just so good for Arsenal that you just give, you can switch later. I mean, what are your thoughts with switching? Well, I feel like with Jesus, I feel very, I'm not overly excited about having him, but it feels very, very comfortable having him. I mean, he puts up absolutely monster numbers, like underlying data. So, and, you know, obviously we know he's not on penalties because we assume, we assume Saka is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like Jesus as a pick. And because of that data, I'm just happy to have him in. I, I feel like it's gambling going for someone like Nkuku, um, or Jackson, for example. I'm seeing people going for them. Watkins, I do like Watkins. The, the worry with him is obviously he's very bad at penalties. 
I remember talking to Mode Andy about this, like how you know bad he is at penalties. Mitrovic is good at penalties. Right. Is it good even having players where you feel like there's a 50, 60% chance? Well, that's probably a bit high. No, maybe not. Like there's no. a 50% chance he misses. That's high, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it feels like it. It does feel like it. Maybe I've been a bit, bit scarred from last season, but yeah, I do like Watkins, but I just think with you mentioned the fixtures with Jesus and that's why I'm, I'm more than happy to go for him. I can't see me going for a Chelsea striker, for example. And what yeah. do you think about the switch from like Jesus to... Yeah, look at, after two weeks. So people use that as a reason to have HL to have a Jesus, but I don't particularly like it because if I compare then my team to somebody who's gone Saka Martinelli and Gabriel, and I'm shifting my Jesus to Nkunku, now I'm left with only two Arsenal. So I'm already so I'm basically two transfers behind. I'm yeah. now going for an Nkunku, changing my Gabriel problem, if it becomes a problem. And I'm getting Gabriel as my Arsenal defensive cover because I don't have a triple up with Arsenal defense when they have seven amazing fixtures in the first, you know, in, in basically the opening seven game weeks. So that's my issue with it as using it as an as a reason to do it. You go for Gabriel Jesus because you say, I believe in the guy. And unless something really drastically changes in how Arsenal are producing their output, I just think their XG numbers are equivalent to Man City and Brighton. So these are the sort of the three teams that are on level one. Then level two, you come down to, you have Man United, you have maybe Spurs, you have Liverpool. Actually, Liverpool could be in tier one as well. And and so I want to have as many attackers as I can from there because in defense, yes, I, I know Arsenal is a great defense as well, maybe in the top three, but I just think that attacking potential for Chilwell, Estupinian, and who else do I have? Uh, Stones, let's say, instead of Ruben Diaz. It's just... It's just I don't need to have a Gabriel in there, if you see what I mean. Oh, I agree. And also, it's one of these things where you say about them becoming a problem. But let's say after two games, Jesus has got an XG of, I don't know, 0.4 in both games, but he's blanked twice. Yeah. He's not necessarily a problem, but I think there's some some managers who will see it as a problem because he's blanked twice. And sometimes I'm a bit too patient. You mentioned you saw Robertson quite early. I held him for ages and, you know, I lost loads of value on him. But right. I don't think I'll be at a position where I think Jesus is a problem Unless, some, like you say, something fundamentally changes, like he's playing really deep or he's not starting or he's getting subbed after, you know, 45 minutes. Right. It would take something extreme for me to want to sell him. So I guess that then comes on to if you start with three up top. Yeah. So let's let's debate this structure point because uh, I've had a few conversations on Twitter with, uh, you know, Jack, uh, with uh, Kunate, Luke Disable, um, and... Initially, my thought was, and a lot of people went with this, is there's so many midfielders, we have to go five in midfield. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with this is, so let's say in my setup, I've got Jesus and, and Haaland, and now Nkunku starts doing really well, but Jesus is also doing well. I can't get to Nkunku because I'm going to be hesitant to sell Jesus. He's doing well. Why should I sell him? Uh, he will be highly owned if he's doing well. And so you have to basically do a double move and sell somebody else, like a Bruno. I have to get him down to uh, an Nkunku and, and get a cheapo midfielder. It's not ideal. On the flip side, the guy who goes for an Nkunku and if a Madison becomes really hot or Foden becomes yep. really hot, they can't do it either. So there is no one answer to which is flexible or not. It really depends on where the next bandwagon comes. Uh, is it in the fifth midfielder slot or is it in the third striker slot? And maybe the answer is you ignore it and you just say, I went, I made my bed with a five midfield. 
unless you have a luxury to transfers you can switch your structure you just sort of go with it right i think that's it i do think you have to just sometimes realize you're either going to get lucky or you're, or you're not you're going to make a decision and you're going to stick with it i mean when we looked at my team last year i started with three up front and it quite quickly after a few weeks people were moving to three up front but my rank was really bad because i didn't pick the right strikers like i didn't have mitrovic for example so you can pick the right formation but have the wrong players or you could pick you could pick the wrong formation but have the right players if if, yeah. if that makes sense so absolutely absolutely there is a lot of luck and i guess it depends how patient you are i mean i'm i'm pretty patient but i think it's stubbornness as well like if i pick you know if i pick a player i'm going to at least give him a few weeks to see see how it pans out plus we don't know what's going to happen you know a lot of our transfers might be defined by injury yeah yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When people look at a draft and say, this is a perfect team and you don't need to make any transfers, we don't know. Last year, I remember we were in this position where people were either burning transfers, some kind of a weird flex uh, after year uh, game week five or something. But that simply happened because the template hit. And the template could be perfectly fine and maybe not work out. Maybe Arsenal starts slowly. Maybe Man City concede a goal in every game or Chelsea look really poor in the beginning. I mean, it's all possible. So you will need transfers because things change. We don't know how, you know, Spurs could look absolutely amazing in attack and James Madison becomes irresistible or Sun comes out, you know, without Kane if Kane has left in game week two. By the way, transfer window is open until end of game week two. So you could have things change fundamentally. So I think there's nothing wrong with going for a team that works in the long term and then you just react to information. No, that's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. But I'll move on to so my draft very very similar to yours. To be fair, so and... be, before you do, Rich, just one thing. I I want to just list out my dilemmas. Oh yes, that I want to. I'll go back to I want team. to. Yeah. So so just very quickly. Uh, so the things that I will look out for, um, or I'm really really keen to do, and we will discuss it next week, are firstly the goalkeeping spot. So I'm happy with Unana. Because, you know, I saw, I liked what I saw yesterday against uh, Real Madrid. Um, the You know, he's good both for the team and possibly FPL. And I'm saying this in that order because people mix up the order. People think he's great for FPL and he'll be good for the team. He'll be great for the team in terms of how they attack from the back, how they sort of, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to give away the ball because of those lob lobbed free kicks. Um, and he will counter press better because he's an extra man sort of, you know, starting the attack. But, we, it remains to be seen if his pass completion will get him over a threshold of baseline bonus, which basically gets him a three bonus every time he keeps a clean sheet. Because he will have to still make a lot of saves. He will still have to do the other good stuff. So that's a dilemma because I'm, I am now interested in Steele, who looked very good yesterday. Steele plays for Brighton, and I'm not worried personally about a double Brighton defense because, frankly, looking at Estupinian's ownership, you actually don't have any Brighton defense. So if you think Brighton are good for some clean sheets... Um, and especially if you have a longer-term horizon for your wildcard, I think they're a good, solid team to have a goalkeeper from from game week, until game week 10 even. Um, so then Estupinian, I think, is a no-brainer. Even if I have a steal, I don't mind keeping Estupinian. Small chance I may monitor Shaw in terms of his positioning, and like I said, I could think about Onana, Estupinian to steal and Shaw, but I could equally just do steal and Estupinian. Coming to Man City, um, my dilemma is, shall I go for Stones or not? Because that's a 5.5 million slot. You can get a lot for 5 million. So that's I'm paying a premium of 0.5 to get a Man City defender. If I can get nailedness, attacking potential, beautiful. But I am worried about this game week, uh, this Super Cup that they have with yeah. Sevilla between game week one and game week two. 
So that's one dilemma that I have. Chilwell, I think I'm pretty pretty set on. Whether he's my third defender or my fourth defender, depending on structure, a lot of people are going for Chilwell as first sub and then sort of playing around the defensive positions, TBC. But Chilwell is, I think I'm pretty set on him because of the beautiful fixtures until game week eight. In midfield, Saka should be a certainty. Rashford should be one. One thing to caution in Rashford is a lot of people are happy to see the fact that he will play a lot up top when even if Hoyland signs because they will not just throw Hoyland you know, as starting every single game. That's actually bad for Rashford. He plays a lot better when he's playing off the left. So I hope that this Sancho situation where they're playing Sancho as false nine and Hoyland, that can mean that Rashford just stays on the left. That'll be nice. And that's something that I'll be looking out for. So that's a dilemma. And then the, the Arsenal dilemma we've talked about, one defender versus three attackers. Um... Mitoma, I'm fairly happy with, despite what we saw with Brighton and the fact that he didn't get minutes. I am monitoring Bumo, though. I don't mind having him as somebody who could create some some money. And then Chelsea, Nkunku. So he would be the only one I would sort of give up the Jesus slot for. Can I add a dilemma? I don't know. I think it's a general dilemma because it's a dilemma I've had where, obviously, you, on your bench, you've got a Luton defender and a Burnley fan, defender. You probably see where I'm going with this. Because they blank in yeah, game two... And you've got, I mean, to be honest, you're not too bad for City players. You've you've got two. But, I mean, let's say Diaz doesn't play, like you say, after after the Super Cup, which, like you said, between game week one and game week two, he could miss out. And he then you're literally up. not going to have three defenders because you're going to you have two have players, players who blank. I guess it's the you're... Bulldog problem. Do you go for Bulldog, who himself's not nailed, plays for what I think is possibly the worst promoted team, potentially? Um <laughs> So uh, that's very, pra- you know, that's high praise for Luton, but fair enough. Yeah, probably is a li- Probably have gone over the top a little bit for Luton. <laughs> but yeah, it's a problem I'm having because my preference is to go for a Luton defender and a Burnley defender. I was even thinking about going for Brownhill, but this blank, I think it's had a bigger implication than some people may think because of the, you know, we're going to be trying to squeeze more City players in, I imagine, especially with it being game week one, it's the Friday night game. So yeah. You already know you people are going to get FOMO. There might be there might be leaks, so we know certain players are starting. Um, I hear you, and I think it would be very uh, good advice for people who are starting with three city to have one good bench cover. So, for example, I could go Martinelli here to Foden. I could go Diaz to Gabriel, and that gives me some money to go. Uh, my 4 million defender for another 5 million defender. So there are options. Or you could even make that 5 million defender, Gab- 4 million defender Gabriel, if you can get some money from Onana to steal. So there are variations to this that you could do, but I'm absolutely with you. It does make me a bit nervous. And this is why I had Stones here. And then I said, what if Stones doesn't play game week two? I'll put out 10 men. Um, so that is something people need to think about. But then I guess building your, say you're building this, I don't know how long you're building it for. Let's say you're building it for eight weeks. Yeah. I guess the the 50-50 chance you miss out on a defender who might, you know, average, you know, three or four points, is it worth changing the entire structure of your team yeah. over literally what is effectively a hit if we're going to say a defender might get between three and four points? Yeah, it's I mean it's it wouldn't worry me too much. I mean right now this structure is fine. I could even go stones in this. It would worry me if I had Foden as well because you know, you just know that Pep could do anything. They're traveling to Greece uh, and even though the game is Friday midweek and weekend, it's just still a lot of travel. Very true, very true. But yeah, I just wanted to add an- another dilemma for you because I think it's right. a 
think it's an important one but yeah we'll move on to my team we, we saw it, it very very briefly but it, it's very similar to yours and if i'm totally honest i don't fully like it um i don't i don't <laughs> think this is going to be the team i'm going to go out with i mean i don't get me wrong i do like the team i think the three city are what's worrying me but i'll read i'll read through it quickly so in goal i've got pickford at the moment i did message you last night talking about it was right after Steele got the assist as well of course of course. So, and he did well for you last year as well. He did. He did. I mean, Estepinian did ruin that a little bit at the end. I was very happy with Steele until that happened. And the big reason I had Steele was because of my chip strategy. And he, because I originally went with Sanchez. Um, so there is that point in my head where I think, you know, Deserbi could, you know, switch goalkeepers on a whim. You just never know with him. He's, yeah. he's done it before more, more than once. Um, but yeah, Pickford, I mean, Everton have got good fixtures. Then I've got Estepinian, Stones and Gabriel in defense i'm finding it very hard to get not go for gabriel because ever since i saw the price was five million i mean like you said he wasn't amazing last last year he had the stats didn't he he was you know he was top, but top the numbers player. are there he should score four four five goals a year yeah so i am happy with him you know i think i'm going to go with him no matter what even if it means i'm not going to go for martinelli stones is interesting you went for diaz i mean that could be very interchangeable i could go Same for there. him i did even look at i mean I only watched highlights and read on Twitter, but Rico Lewis was very impressive um, in the in the friendly. Yes, he played midfield as well. Yeah, he did. He did, and I had him for a little chunk class. He purely because of his purely because of his price. Yeah. So I'm not ruling that out. He's 4.5 million. I think it's a bit risky for game week one. I think it probably is one to monitor, especially because we talked about the blank in game week two with Burnley and Luton. Correct. I think it's going to be hard to hard to cover, but there were you know. There was a couple of sources that said, you know, if he started or not. So we might know if Rico Lewis starts game week one. So that's why I want to have him on my radar. Let's chat about that. I mean, we'll talk about it closer to the deadline. Mm -hmm. But I just think people are would play too much emphasis on game week one. Like, let's say Rico Lewis starts game week one. So, so what? I mean, you know, he's not going to start. It doesn't mean he's now Pep's first team player. It no, just he means would become a headache to... very yeah. quickly. Exactly. Exactly. So we're. I, I. I guess it's a poison chalice having City's game as the first game, where a lot of people will see Bernardo Silva starting. So what? Yeah, that's I one mean, I would. That's one I wouldn't go for. <laughs> exactly. So like you know, if just because he's starting in one game week and you have the information that he's starting in one game week, a Martinelli is still better. A Foden is still better long term. So you know. We'll, no, you're we'll... right. I think there's very few players, you know, if there was information about the City team, I think there's very few players I'd stand up and be like, yeah, I mean, if we got news like Grealish is starting, for example, I don't think that would change people's minds. I mean, maybe a couple of people would, would think about it. You know, maybe they're at Fest, they've had a couple of beers and they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, let's go for Grealish, let's Captain Grealish or something. But yeah, I, I don't think I would go for Lewis, but it's just one I've got, got on my mind. And maybe it also makes me think... You know, a lot of us went for Edison last year because the City defenders were rotating. And if you're putting another, you know, young player in there that he could get minutes, still minutes off stones, for example. Yeah. It shows why there's a risk. I won't bring up Edison now. There's there's not long enough left on the stream. We, but we, We're not mates with him anymore. No, no. But well, I'm sure we will talk about him at some point. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not this week. Um, yeah. And then my defenders on the bench are Chil Chilwell and then Bayer of, of Burnley. And my midfielders, Matoma, Foden, Saka, Rashford and Bruno. I've gone for the double United attack, just like you, Rashford and Bruno. I'll be honest, part of the reason is I cannot decide between them. Like I, I, genu I genuinely can't decide between them. You've got Rashford, who was incredible. You know, since the World Cup, he was incredible. Goes without saying. 
And then you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's on penalties. Um, he can frustrate, but he's such a good price. Like, I, I can't believe he was less than Rashford. Yeah. In my head, I thought they were going to be the same price. He could have been nine, nine and a half. I mean, he's got penalties as well. Uh, if he gets a good striker, we've seen he's already playing further forward than than uh, Mount. Obviously, very small sample size, but I'm I'm with you. I mean, in the last game, it was actually a weird sample because he played on the right where Anthony plays because we played Menu and um, uh, Casemiro together. But I think more realistically, it'll be Mount who'll play alongside Casemiro, and then Bruno will play uh, number ten. So yeah, I I'm very very high on the double attack, pretty much because everybody will have Rashford. First three game weeks, you get two very good home games. And then if you want to move one of them on, you move one of them on. I think that's the thing. I think that's one of those ones where I'm seeing them almost as separate. Well, they are separate players, obviously. But I'm not seeing it as I'm doubling up on the United attack. I'm seeing it as I want to have Rashford. I want to have Bruno. And also, didn't Bruno... I didn't watch the game. He played 90 minutes and no one else did? He did. Of course he did. And Onana did. Just him and Onana. So you've got the X-Mins there as well, which is, you know, a huge part part of his value. You're not going to get like a, you know him being subbed off and then a penalty is given, you know, a bit like the Wilson and Isak thing yeah, towards yeah. the end of last year. So I guess that's why minute, minutes are key. But yeah, Foden, I'm not, I'm not sure about. Maybe when I was last drafting, I was feeling a bit bit fruity there. I, I do like Mbumo. You do get actually in this point because I've got not got Salah or Trent and I initially thought I was definitely going to have Trent and he's slowly come out. I do find there's, it's very hard to spend the money once you once you remove those two, and that's why I was saying earlier, I think it's quite a boring game if Trent and Salah aren't assets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you that question actually. You're one of the bigger proponents of Salah, um, and are you at all tempted, or you just see so much value in this midfield that it's hard to go for Salah? I'm very tempted. Something that got me tempted. I was listening to Sir Tap's got a podcast called FPL Optimized, and he had Space yeah. Space Man on, and. They were talking about, he was talking about almost basically about decay, how, you know, and things can happen in the future. You want to check every route of what happens. I'm not going to explain it as well as he did. But I mean, let's say in the first week, Haaland gets injured either game week one or in the Super Cup. If I've not got Salah, who am I going to captain? I mean, I guess an obvious thing, people might just bring in Alvarez. But then if I'm tripled up, the only way I can get to Alvarez is Haaland to Alvarez and then captain Alvarez. So part of me does think if I have the best two captains, so Haaland and, and Salah, stuff's a lot more st- simple if things go wrong. And obviously it's a very yeah. niche thing. It's probably not going to happen. But there is some benefit to having the second best captain. And Salah's the best captain in, in game week two. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I just think as a skeptic, the benefit you will get out of this insurance of if something goes wrong will be outweighed or maybe at least equaled by the loss that you will have by carrying a very expensive option that you may not captain. Or actually, that's not the way to put it, because even if he could be the second highest scoring game player in the game and it would be still worth going for him, it's just the delta between him and a Saka, a Rashford and a Bruno in this draft where if you go for a Salah, you have to sacrifice one of these three, one of the eight to nine million midfielders. And I just don't see the delta of four million or you know three and a half or three million between these players to justify that. Obviously, Salah scores a hat-trick and everything is justified. But that's where I've, I've actually been more tempted by Trent throughout than Salah. But things can change, obviously. No, I agree. I mean, I was... So, initially, I thought I was just going to have Trent no matter what. I was pretty pretty set on that. 
it's just been that that captaincy thing and I, I do agree it probably is overkill and also i'm not quoting what spaceman said he was just talking about you know decay and things like that and then my mind did the rest <laughs> just thinking oh what if this happens what if this happens um and i think something i heard you on the other week i can't remember what if it was the wire or the video you did on did on your own but you you were saying about um i'm trying to remember what you were saying now i, I completely lost my train of thought there perhaps <laughs> about captaincy yeah captaincy. it was to do with salah about to do with the cap oh that was it so um we'll obviously be making the decision on if we captain salah in game week two we'll be making that you know at deadline game week game week one so right. you know this time in a couple of weeks we'll be deciding if we're gonna have salah or not if we don't go with him and he scores a hat-trick in game week one i don't think many managers are going to go there maybe i could be wrong because i think it's just gonna be too hard to get to yeah yep. and i think if you've got him I think you have to captain him game week two. Or I would. I, you know, you've kind I of made too. your bed. You have to lie in it. I would too. But maybe I'm just burnt by game week nine where he was home to Brighton. <laughs> and that was Deserby's first game. Obviously, at the time, we didn't know how good Deserby would be both defensively and offensively. But at the time, his, you know, the, the description we got was a bit like Ariola, the, the, Bren, the Bournemouth guy. Where super attacking, but you know, can leak a bunch of goals and throw game week nine. I thought, oh, perfect opportunity. Salah against Brighton. And here is Haaland playing Man United at home. Tougher fixture. Again, it's a similar one where, yes, Salah has a great home fixture, but then Haaland is also at home. And to back against Haaland at home, I mean, the guy can score a hat trick against Real Madrid, who's Newcastle. So it's just obviously a high risk, high return. And do you have appetite to take on? Haaland in game week two or not maybe it's a mental thing but I'm not 100% that even if, if I had if Salah was 10 million and I could afford a Salah that I would 100% captain Salah in game week two maybe I would but you know it's funny how you we see things as different risk because I'd be so because I've gone for Salah I'll just go through with it but when you mentioned you were talking about have not going for sure over Estepinian um that that worries me more. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because of what happened last season where I didn't didn't have him. Yeah. I find I find actually not owning a player at all a lot more scary than like a a captaincy. <laughs> I think I'd just be excited by having that differential captain of Salah. And obviously, I'm assuming it would be a differential. But you're you're right. I can't really see a way of getting him, and you do lose something because looking at my team, you know, I'd have to lose like you say. I'd have to lose like Bruno, and we've already talked about what what great value. He is. And when, you, when you're tinkering, you see how much money you need to, to get to that. And also, I really like having Chilwell as a first sub, which is what this enables, because you've got him, you've got him for the future. It could still be James. Um, and like I said, I have actually tinkered with you know, going with both. It also partly sorts out the Chelsea dilemma, because after you know, game week three, if Chelsea even look de semi-decent, we're going to be, you know, people are going to be piling in, piling in there. So there are benefits to not going for Liverpool. So, okay, last question for me on your draft, then you talk about your dilemmas, because yep. um, Dan has already reminded us we've crossed 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. um, you could easily go Chilwell down to a cheapo, let's say Baldock, mm -hmm. get 1.5 million. You could go Foden down to Mbumo and Stones up to Trent. So you're actually just three moves away from Trent. Which is funny, because that was before I started tinkering, that, that was... That was my team. Okay, well, yeah. So, why have you changed it? Why is why has sort of this been a better in right now? Obviously, you can change back. So, a lot of it was for Chilwell to have that first sub. I remember my first ever draft. I had Colton Morris 
who's a 5.5 million striker for Luton. And because I like having that first sub, I like having like a couple of seasons I enjoyed owning Pookie just because he was the perfect sub. If right. a, pl- a lot of analytics guys do it, because if there's an injury, you can just put a good player into the team. If a player's bench, you get a good player coming in. It was nice with Solanke last year. Obviously, I can't really go for Morris because for Pookie played for Norwich. Uh, right. So I feel like Chilwell gives me that good first sub, especially because this team has Foden. I think that's a big thing as well. I think if you're going to have three City, you want to have at least one good sub. So so that's why I guess it's it's either going for depth, which helps with future planning, which helps with, you know, if there's any injuries or suspensions, which can in turn save you transfers and hits. Or I could have Trent. And also it, going with Trent, I have to lose a defender. This is the problem with depth. Like I want to have a Man City defender. I want to have an Estepinian. I want to have an Arsenal defender because like we're saying that they're, you know, one of the favourites for a clean sheet every week. So it's why actually my initial drafts, I had four at the back. You could like, go four at the back with Trent. I've, I've debated that. So. Every position apart from maybe strikers. <laughs> yeah. And that could change, you know, when, when it hits game week three and people are doubling up on Chelsea attack and, and things like that. Chelsea we, attack, there's uh, Wilson after game week four. There is, uh, yeah, and Kunku, as you mentioned, there could be Darwin Nunes. We haven't talked about him. Um, so, yeah. People are saying we, we've got lag. Uh, nope, we're back, apparently. Sorry sorry oh. if you sorry if you missed um, any of that. I've, okay. got a, I've got a green light, but like I said, it's my first ever time. It's saying dropped frames. I'm new to this all. I will, I will speak to David. He will educate <laughs> me. <laughs> it's fine let's let's go through your dilemmas and 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 call it a night yeah I, I think i've covered most of my di- my dilemmas really the the big dilemma is do i go for a liverpool player and i think if i do it's funny because a few weeks ago i tweeted there were three players i'm not removing from my team and that was saka it was harland and it was trent and i was pretty set on that okay but i'm starting to the, the reason i'm starting to go off trent is because trent and salah are almost the same thing like you're spending you know, additional money above a good asset. I think I'd go for Salah because I've got the, because of the captaincy. That's basically it. Even though I think I'm giving up more because I'm going to have to lose like a Bruno Fernandes, for example. So mm. that's that's my main dilemma is if I go for Liverpool or not. And I, I don't know what's going to change that, but I guess we're, we'll find out next week, won't we? Um, we will. Yeah my, yeah, my my other dilemma is if I have, you know, a strong inverted commas bench. Like, do I have like a, a chill well or it's actually why I kind of wanted Brownhill because I felt like for five million, you know, he's got good stats for Burnley. It's great. Yeah. You know, five million is probably the pick of the, I don't know if I'm going too far as the pick of the midfielders, probably the 5.0 midfielders, certainly. Possibly. So, yeah, I think first subs are going to be important, especially with, you know, the blank and the super cup, which we mentioned as well. So I think they're my main two. I haven't really got an Arsenal dilemma. I guess Martinelli is kind of a dilemma, but I'd have to lose someone I like. Even in my draft, I can go Martinelli to Trent. That's my route to four at the back, four for two. Um, so I, I guess I'm not saying no to Trent completely, but it would be four at the back. I'm with you. There's, there's three good defenders for two and a half million cheaper. If you that are not worth thinking about it, actually, with Martinelli... Basically, Martinelli versus Trent. And obviously, I know it's not over the season, but over the first, let's say, eight weeks or something, who scores more? Correct. I find that tricky. And I guess we need to see more. And we'll discuss um, all the preseason friendlies in the next episode. But I next guess we need to see exactly what role Trent's playing. Because I saw people tweeting that he was playing at six the other day. And then five minutes later, you know, he got an assist. 
indeed indeed in fact that's a good segue to uh, to say next week what we're going to do is we'll talk about all the friendlies for the big team so we'll talk about what arsenal's been doing what have we learned to address some of the dilemmas we talked about today similarly man city man united the teams that that sort of uh, constitute most of our 15 so we'll do that next week yeah that sounds good um like people are saying in the chat we have gone over the the 40 45 minutes but that's we, absolutely we're under an hour <laughs> <laughs> that's a win and uh, it's not a deadline so today it was a little have more than a day to listen to this content what i meant initially was on a thursday night when the deadline is friday there's no way we go on longer because nobody's going to have time to sort of even consume the content so we will make sure we're more timely going forward exactly but no it's been nice talking to you today Praz. we've got every thursday like this at this time as well so i'm looking forward to it and i think you've i think you've frozen so perfect time just to say to Remember to like and subscribe to Fantasy Football Scout. There's 30% off at the moment as well in pre-season. And there's, you know, some brilliant articles. We're going to be bringing some stuff, like we said, next week um, from, you know, the, the Scout members area that show, you know, shows a breakdown of all the pre-season fixtures. The articles, I believe Neil writes the articles. Neil, Mark, yeah. um, Tom as well. Yeah, they're all great. Yeah, so we use all that. But yeah, so like, subscribe. Remember to remember to sign up to Fantasy Football Scout if you've not already. And Praz, I guess we'll, we'll see you next week. See you See next, each week, other next week. That was yes. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> See you all soon. Take care. Bye.